In a world where tables must be flipped, this is Flipping Tables. This is Flipping Tables, a podcast about gaming, culture, technology, Kind of whatever we feel like talking and about. Red hats. And red hats. And hashtag butts. Mm-hmm. So we had a, I, I feel bad for this this particular small town listener. She <laughs> uh, she listened to our episode where we talked about uh, Apple Pay and Google Wallet and NFC. And she set the whole thing up on her iPhone and then found out there was like zero businesses <laughs> in her small town that actually have the Apple Pay None terminal. businesses. Yeah. Which, considering like. Panera is an option, and like, yeah. well, Seven Eleven was an option. Walgreens, but I think she didn't. Maybe she didn't want to go to Walgreens. Yeah, there's got to be a, a yeah. reason. Yeah, it's, it's so, so sorry, small town America. <laughs> and I wonder. So we actually we had another listener talk about region lock stuff. We're going to get to later, but I kind of wonder if that's like a symptom of like. I know people always say like, "Oh, Americans get everything Google gets." Yeah, it's like, is this? Yeah, a- I just said that like an hour ago. Yeah, is it? There- <laughs> well, are you an American? <laughs> yep. Okay, then. But is is there like an even smaller subset where there are big parts of America that are like, "Oh, well, you know, California, New York, they get everything," and yeah. then like Middle America gets shafted. <laughs> Google Fiber. <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't know. The people who get Google Fiber just seems to be yeah, random. It's Utah and Kansas, but not Colorado. God. Just bridge the gap. Bridge it. Yeah. So, and, Fix that. And, and as another piece of follow-up, I have to mention that current C uh, has already been hacked. It's only in beta. It's not even released to the general public. Already hacked. Already hacked. Yeah, massive personal like, information, personal information data breach. Supposedly no payment information, but that seems yeah. Still, it's like oh, you mean they only the the murderer only got into my garage, but they didn't get through the garage door into the house. That, that's, that's close comforting. enough. <laughs> it's like they got they still got too close. <laughs> nah, nothing to worry about. They'll never get in your bedroom. Nah, you're fine. You're probably fine. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Um, and then this this is like also Troy McClure <laughs> reassurance. <laughs> exactly. We have this in the rundown, but this is actually kind of a piece of follow up because I just want to state this. You can finally buy HBO without having cable. Yeah. Like you can just pay for HBO Go. And I just yep. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge how great that is because they were a big time holdout, like a big, big time holdout. And now for people like me who are you know, like I would like to watch maybe Game of Thrones or something, but I have zero. True Detective. Any of you have been holdouts because you don't oh, is that, have that's HBO. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That's I. I have not even made it a point to think about watching it because I knew it was on a, a channel <laughs> yeah. I didn't get. So it's. I mean, it's kind of like good for them, but also it's about damn time. Yeah. And I just hope that since they're so big and uh, the proverbial finally in yes. quotes. <laughs> yeah. I just hope this is like a a back-breaking straw like all the other companies yeah. i want to be like oh hbo did it now like social proof like yeah. oh the cool kid did it now it's acceptable for us to make our stuff available <laughs> directly to consumers yeah i remember a couple of years ago i wanted to watch the mentalist and there was no legal way to it was that oatmeal comic about like i looked at every avenue yeah. other than sitting down at exactly the time it airs 
and there were no legal options. Yep. Which in the end, I just said, okay, I guess I'm not watching the show. Yeah. Which I mean, it's <laughs> you don't want me to view it. Fine. Yeah, I I do think it's unfortunate, but I, it was in response to that oatmeal comic. Someone had said companies should make a product you want for an amount of money you're willing to spend and give it to you in a way you can get it, but they're not obligated to. Yeah, they can have a crappy business model. Yeah, it's their right to suck and fail if they want. And this is why we get into these positions, because when you're a company like HBO, you're huge, you have a ton of money, you have something everybody wants, you don't really have to meet them halfway. You can take one step outside your house and make them come all the way over up to your front door and then be like, oh, thanks for meeting me. I wonder if the average per channel price is going to go up if everything becomes a la carte. I imagine it would, but would that still not be a big deal because I don't want 700 channels. I want like three channels. Yeah, I can't say for – I should ask – I have a buddy who's an economist. I should ask him to graph this out for me. I can't say for sure where the cutoff would be, but – if I was going to pay for everything a la carte, I would want to pay less than I would have paid for full cable, but I can't say for sure how much less would be acceptable. When At what point will people be like, man, I wish that someone would just bundle all these channels together and sell me it. Oh, you think it'll be cyclical? <laughs> Some idiot will just be like, what if... What if you could just buy like a hundred channels and then then you would just have this huge <laughs> buffet to choose from? Uh, no. <laughs> It'd be nice to have both models, like instead of previously, just like previously on X Men, buy only all of them, yeah, or none of them. Yeah, I guess there's really no reason both can't exist. I just think it won't be long before people say, like, why did I ever give money that was essentially going to stations yeah. I didn't give a crap about? Well, it's like we're going the opposite direction in music. It's like everyone wants Spotify now. That's just like, ah, just give me everything. I don't want to like buy specific songs and albums. I mean, don't you feel like Spotify is to music what cable television is to shows? Yeah. Like I don't – I would rather – and it, I, I know this is unreasonable, but I would rather pay like 25 cents per song and just own all the songs I like. But a dollar per song is really just the CD model broken out. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a $15 well, album. The problem has is it's $1.29 a song. Yeah. So that, Which that, is just enough to be like, nah. Yeah, that, that's just more. That, to me, is beyond a price point where I'm willing to listen to advertising. Like, I will still sit and listen to Spotify ads. Yeah. Because to me, that's the radio. I don't really have control over it. You know, especially like on mobile, it's shuffle only. Yeah. But that's fine. An ad comes up every three or four songs and I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. Because I'm not willing to pay fifteen dollars for fifteen songs or twenty dollars as you're saying for fifteen songs. It's just it's too much to me. It's not yeah. that important. I feel the same way. Like I watched, you know, I'm a big Doctor Who fan and uh they British television does like maybe there's some rhyme to it and I just haven't figured it out, but their seasons are kinda wacky. So they're like, when they tend to make season eight, and then we go on holiday for a week, and then it's the third quarter of season eight, <laughs> and then we're gone for a month. Well, and you have like the the Sherlock, like we release three movies every yeah. couple years, yeah, a ho- <laughs> totally different than anything we do in America. Um, it's like I wouldn't want every show to have just be like, see you in a couple years, we'll make some movies for you. <laughs> but I do like the model, yeah, for these stories again, especially because you can have both. Well, in Sherlock in particular, like, 
the way those stories are written anyway are like very self-contained cases mm-hmm. that are rich enough to be movie length. It's like we don't need like one case to stretch 15 hours. No. Like the Hounds of Baskerville can be 90 minutes. Yeah, and it gives you an opportunity to tell something bigger than like Monster of the Week style stories. Yeah. But then you still have the thread that like connects the season and then yeah the, you can tell the bigger moriarty story, story yeah. across the smaller cases yeah i like the young terrifying like hyperactive adhd <laughs> moriarty like i don't i there never were, read any of the original books there was a couple weeks where me and shelby were just like oh sherlock <laughs> <laughs> see this is I, you know having a, a little one at home like i'm way behind on sherlock because it's like when can i set aside an hour and a half, you know, like I struggle to find 45 minutes. For so you haven't seen every episode that's out. Nope. Way oh, behind. Man. I know. Family is to it. I, I'm working on it. If I could just <laughs> get my important. daughter to sit still for 90 minutes, I'd be like, honey, we're going to watch Sherlock now. <laughs> but she's not quite old enough for that yet. It's not really the content. It's like, she literally will not sit still for that long. Um, so should we get to our big topic of the day? We should. So this, I I'm, I think I have a suspicion of what you're feeling about this will be, which is why I'm so interested to talk to you about it. <laughs> because I'd love to be totally wrong and just be like, whoa, left field. So metagaming. And here's what I mean by metagaming, because it's a really broad. Um, metagaming is knowing the story ahead of time. Metagaming would be reading a game FAQ. Metagaming would be cheat codes. Metagaming would be asking a friend for help. Um, I mean, it's a really, it's, it's really any of the options available to, do you want to be a millionaire contestants? <laughs> Basically? Yes. <laughs> any of those. God, is that show still running? I don't know. But yeah, any, anything that tells you more about the game universe, but there's also another branch that I find really interesting as someone who plays Dungeons and Dragons, which is knowing how the game works and then exploiting that. Yeah. So a good example would be like in the original Super Mario Brothers, there were lots of places all over the world map where you could like pin a turtle in like a nightmarish hell. In 100 where, lives immediately. Yeah, where you just boing, 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 just forever until you filled up on extra lives. And it like you didn't even have to hold the controller. Yeah. Like that's metagaming because that's exploiting a game mechanic. There's that only works because the physics of the universe are so simple yeah. that you can predict them with a thousand percent accuracy. So it's like, is that is it cheating? Does that does it harsh the experience? So there's a lot to unpack here in all the different forms you've talked about, but I think when it comes down to it, there's not a hard and fast rule for me, but I like to choose the parts of a game I want to struggle through. Like, there, there's times where it's like, I don't know, getting every single missile upgrade in Metroid Prime, I'm probably going to use a guide. But All right. my first time through the story, 
I don't know. It's like I kind of want to experience that without reading ahead. Oh, it's going to be Ridley, and you have to hit his wing here. <laughs> and like, I want that joy of like, how do you beat this boss? I want to just discover it on so, my own. So you're willing to like die a couple of times, where it's like, for well, sure, you, you don't shoot him in the face. Maybe I shoot him in the foot. Yeah. And uh, honestly, since I'm bringing up a Nintendo game, they're pretty good about like you've died three times. We're going to tell you how to do this. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you get the big flashy like. Or the someone comes over. If your, you didn't guess in the first place, because the bosses tend to be like big glowing heart. Yeah, that opens for a minute. Well, so okay, so I know you're a big Zelda fan. So in a Zelda game, you basically have puzzles and bosses. I mean, it's pretty yeah. much the whole game is puzzles and bosses. So would you look up how to beat a puzzle, or do you have to fail at it for a certain amount of time? I'd have to, like, fail so hard that I'm just like, I really have no idea, and I'm sick of trying <laughs> things. But that there's a pretty high threshold for me of I'm going to just enjoy the puzzle and muddle through it. Because to me, yeah, that is Zelda to me, is the puzzles and the dungeons and the bosses, too. That's why I play Zelda... I want that to be the the primary interaction and challenge of playing Zelda. I, that's what I'd preserve. Now, in between dungeon fetch quests with town, <laughs> yeah, like villagers, I will look that shit up immediately because I don't care. So okay, who so do I give this letter to? I don't know the guy by the bathroom. Okay, like <laughs> so. I mean, this to me kind of brings up an interesting like. This is why metagaming is so interesting to me because. In the game, you're limited by the game rules. I mean, you're limited by rules in real life, but they're a little bit more flexible than <laughs> most video games, except maybe like Grand Theft Auto. So, <laughs> so in like in Zelda, you can't like say you, Mike, give me Link a fetch quest. I'm now Link in this analogy. Yeah, and stop destroying all my pots. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and, and then I don't know the person you're talking about. I can't, like, walk to your neighbor and be like, who the hell does he want me to give this to? <laughs> like, that's just a non-option. Yeah. So on the one hand, I feel like looking it up in a game FAQ is kind of supplementing that. In like, I know that's, like, a kind of a stretch, but it, yeah. it feels just like I can't – I have literally this one source of incomplete yeah. information. Well, the, the RPG mechanic of like you got to talk to the right person is not fun for me. So I'm ready yeah. to skip it immediately. I think Ego Raptor called it a press A to continue. Yeah, but actual block puzzle with physics and your new weapon you found in the dungeon, that's fun. Yeah. I don't want to like – I want to just do that on my own. So maybe – okay, so maybe what we're kind of – boiling this down to is if it's not fun it's not worth struggling through yeah because there's no payoff yeah you're like i don't i delivered the letter to the guy great yeah or even like even completionist stuff of like i'm gonna get every heart piece and every whatever the trading games that are in a lot of zelda games i don't really care to like sit and wonder where all the heart pieces are i will get a guide and i will yeah. just find them <laughs> yeah and like the joy is getting them all but not necessarily like taking notes on where i saw saw some and see now in that case that feels almost like a tiny failing in game design because it's like they're there because you should want to go exploring yeah. if exploring the world is boring and repetitive then it's like yeah i'm not gonna go looking 
Well, I, I enjoy like Metroid is really good at this of like there's a missile expansion up there and you can't jump that high yet, and so I, I don't mind being like, oh, I want that. And like coming back later, like you know, after you get a new power up, you're like, I just kind of want to like run through the previous areas and see what I can find now. Yeah, that's fun. But there's a there's a limit. There's a point of like, all right, there's like six more of these, and I have no idea where they are. I'm just gonna look them up. Yeah. So I mean, like I know when I talk about Zelda and Metroid, I'm imagining the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past and Super yeah. Metroid. So those two particular games were a little bit limited by their technology. But I feel like any game that has the you see a thing but you have to come back and get it later element to the universe should let you put custom markers on the map yes like i should be able to open my map and be like there was a fucking thing here come back and get the thing yeah later probably when you can jump higher and nice if it's integrated in the game so that's not like your own note system (laughs) right yeah even if it was just like point of interest yeah something like every adventure game for the Wii U should just have tablet mode. Here's a map. Draw whatever you want on it. That would be awesome. That would be a phenomenal use of that tablet. Yeah. Because, I mean, when I played Mega Man as a kid, I thought nothing of, like, jotting down my ridiculous 35-digit save combination. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like, don't make me go get a piece of paper and a pen to write down where this missile power-up was. Yeah. Just don't do it. I'm going to just look it up. Yeah. And then that kind of draws away from the experience a, a little bit. Yeah, I do notice if I get too into metagaming that I, I'm... Like, I don't like feeling like I'm not playing the game. I'm following a recipe from GameFAQs.com. Yeah. And I'm just, like, spending more time staring at a map on my computer than <laughs> with the game paused. There's a point where I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, then you might as well Either just watch Either stop playing run. the game or... <laughs> start actually playing it yeah yeah maybe at that point it's like do i give up on this game because it's not fun or do i give up on collecting everything because it's not that important to me i think another thing is like i used to be a little more like well i don't want to like die in games (laughs) and now i'm like what's gonna happen i'm gonna die and then try again like games are so forgiving now that it's it's like I'm not afraid anymore. Like, ah, I'm just going to run into this area, and if I get my ass handed to me, who cares? Yeah, which I think that's... I've heard people complain, especially older people who got into gaming in the, uh, the era of, like, arcade games where death was very serious. Like, it had not just time implications, but money. Like, yeah. it was a problem to it die. It was an incentive of the developers to make you die a lot, too. Yeah, but in modern games, the penalty for death is like, eh, now you have to walk that 100 feet again from where you respawn. Yeah. Uh, it's just not that big of a threat. And I mean, I like that, but I grew up in this era of like more forgiving. Yeah. Because it's really not about proving I'm better than the game. It's about being like in the world, in well, the story. And give me a hard mode and give me a permadeath and have the roguelikes or have a, a roguelike mode right. when I want it, like when that's a thrilling challenge. But otherwise, no. <laughs> I just saw a, uh, a thing about the Fire Emblem series, and apparently, oh the, yeah, there. Did you see that? They're like their hard mode was turned was like dropped from the American version altogether, and then they gave us an easy mode. So like our hardest mode for the earlier games was like their normal, and then 
they brought back the Japanese hard mode, but they didn't re like balance the scale. <laughs> so the new game comes out and everybody plays it on hard, and it's actually Japanese hard. Yeah, and they're like, this is the hardest freaking game ever, and all the Japanese are like, nah, brah. <laughs> it was always this one. Well, I remember because that's the other choice you get when you start Fire Emblem. Did you play it on 3DS when you borrowed it? Mm-mm. You should because it's it's great. You yeah. know, with all that time you have. Yeah. No, <laughs> it, it it's a series I've always been interested in. I've just it's on my list. Yeah. It's it's a good game, and the you have that choice when you start your game of like, do you want character permadeath? Yeah, which because well, it's almost like sort of makes you care, style, right? yeah, or like shining force. Yeah, it's turn based square grid combat, but it makes you care so much. Yeah. Now, when you were playing Final Fantasy Tactics and that little countdown was over Orlando's head, you were like, I will turn my PlayStation off. I will yank the power cord out of the yeah. back before I let Orlando die permanently. He breaks that game anyway. but <laughs> Well, that's why you didn't want to lose it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Fire Emblem was worse. You didn't get the little, like, three-round It's just, like, revive fall chance. and done. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Slain, slain, done. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> Goodbye. And is that normal or is that the hard mode? It, that's independent from that setting. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you can make the game easy with permadeath or hard with infinite chances or whatever. Mm. I swooned. I will see you after my nap. Yeah. <laughs> that that is. I don't like too many dials and knobs that have to be tuned before the experience starts. But something like permadeath being it kind of its own setting, I think is probably smart. Yeah. Especially in a game where it's kind of about like building your forces. It's like, I don't need the gritty reality of, you know, build, no, now he's gone forever. (laughs) Like, that's why I'm playing a video game. Yeah. But then Mustadio, you're like, nah, who cares? You know, people, all my friends that are big Final Fantasy Tactics fans kind of hated on him. I always loved him. He was always part of my core party. (laughs) Leg shots, arm shots. Because that was, this is actually a perfect example of metagaming. (laughs) You go to a map. That has an area that has monsters that have no ranged attacks. And then you have Mustadio stand three squares away from them and just leg shot them over and over and (laughs) over while your other characters wail on each other to gain experience. Yeah. I mean, that that is like... I guess if you're farming, it would be useful. He's a farming character. But but I mean, that's serious metagaming. Like, you would... Well... It wasn't that hard to just wail on yourselves with one guy left anyway. Yeah. As long as you turned off your counterattacks. Well, but that way you you were guaranteed to have balance because the monster would never die because you weren't inflicting damage. Yeah. And you could level I mean, if you were that boring, you could level ninety nine everybody in one part in one so did like, you, battle. Did you do that? Did you level ninety nine that game? A couple times. Yeah. I just found it interesting because like famously you aren't a big fan of Final Fantasy Eight, right? True story. And yep. that's like the same kind of grinding. And it's just like, yeah, I don't enjoy that grinding. I enjoy this grinding. And it's yeah. like, I like both grinding. Yeah. I wish I could give you a, a clear... It's I may not know art, but I know what I like. <laughs> and the thing is, Final Fantasy VIII came at a time in, in my life when I was like... I had a very small access... I mean, I was a kid. You know, I had small access to the kinds of video games I could play. And something about that world just didn't rub me the right way. <laughs> and now I have like anti-nostalgia goggles where over the years <laughs> it's become this like looming monster it's the worst game ever made it's probably fine it is it's a good game <laughs> but i can't i need to figure out a way to take off my anti-nostalgia goggles it's the opposite of nostalgia hmm. yeah I don't even know. 
But yeah, it's that. Good like riddance? It, I don't it, know. It's <laughs> built up in my mind as being so bad. Because every time somebody asks me about it, I'm like, yeah, I hate that game. But really, I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, it's so satisfying. Draw all the magic and then you just... Maybe. It's just like, oh, my sword isn't powerful enough. Fire. Yeah. My sword is I'll, now super powerful. I'll add it to my short list and give it... I, at some point, I will give it another try. I just can't say... That's one I, I think you can totally metagame. Just, I have the strategy guide. Like, just don't don't even internet it. Use my strategy guide. <laughs> oh, you have, like, the book? Yeah. The, the oh. Prima or whatever. Pro- yes. And oh, it's man. it's a good book. Like, just know exactly, oh, before I move on in the story, draw 100 Kuros from this monster. Oh, because I'm going to need so them that, when I get here. Because if you map Kuro to HP, you just, like, double your health. And it's just, like, everything is easy mode now in a All fun, right. satisfying way because <laughs> you earned it. <laughs> hmm. All right. But, yeah, it's like, oh, I found the monster with Nuke. Now when I map this to my attack, I'm just going to, like, 9999 everyone right. from the rest of the game or whatever. Mm. I forget the exact mappings, but that's what the guide's for. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> you, you've you actually raised my curiosity a little bit. I'm the top half if of you the Leonardo if you DiCaprio meme. I mean, Final Fantasy VIII is, like, it's hard unless you farm. And if you farm, it's so ridiculously easy. Yeah. It may, that might have been something that turned me off about it, is that farming felt like a requirement. It it really is. Yeah. Because, I mean, in tactics, it's absolutely not. In in most RPGs, it's not. It's an option. Yeah. It's not a requirement. So maybe that was what really shut me down on it. Because <laughs> I remember my, my friend at the time I explaining... I to choose to farm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I remember my friend at the time explaining the game mechanic to me, and I was like, so... Like, at what point have I just learned the spell and I'm done? And he was like, you don't. That's not how the magic in this game works. And I was like, that's bullshit. Especially coming <laughs> off of, like, Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VI, where you could permanently learn something. Yeah. And it took work. But there was, like, an end. That book had a last chapter. Yeah. In Final Fantasy Because they did the same kind of crap in the ones that were on Game Boy. Did you ever play Final Fantasy Legends, the ones that they sent out to other companies yeah. to make? Where your weapons broke? I have super nostalgia goggles because I played through the first Legend so many times. I know it's a bad game. I, that's fine. In quotes, but I it's like it's my bad it, game. I just I remember <laughs> I borrowed his Game Boy and I was like in the middle of a battle and my sword broke and then like I couldn't do anything, so I just had to stand there and die. And I asked him, I was like, "What the hell happened?" That's and another he, game. He was like, "Oh, you have to have like twenty swords in your inventory." <laughs> what? That's another game that I meta game because I had. Nintendo used to publish those game guides, and so they had yeah, like, like the middle of a Nintendo Power. And so they published one that included that game, and it didn't. I think it only went through like eighty percent of the game, but or it might have been the whole game. Even so, that's enough. Yeah, it's only like an eight-hour game or something. But well, I mean, it was enough because it, it had boy. a chart. Because that was a game where you, if you chose to have a monster, it could eat the meat of other monsters and mutate. Huh. And so it had a chart of what you would become. Ah. Uh. That's what you want, because that's yeah. a one-shot deal. Yeah. You can't de-evolve is, your Pokemon and, until later. There was no chance involved. <laughs> it was an exact chart of what you would become, and I right. was like, yes. <laughs> now I can get the super ultra mega monster thingy. So there, there's one other thing i got to make sure I mention about this. Cause, so you haven't played D&D, but you're familiar with how it works. Yeah. So D&D and any kind of tabletop gaming has an interesting metagaming component and when I say any tabletop, I mean literally like Monopoly, card games, any kind of you know tabletop game. Because here's an experience that actually happened to me, and I'm going to anonymize the names. So 
our DM Bill is like running the campaign and then it's me and three of my friends and this one particular friend John turns to me and is like we're going down this hallway and Bill set up this hallway like there's going to be traps but Bill hates to set up traps I know there's no traps in this hallway and Bill was just like you can't do that <laughs> like you literally you have the whole point of a role playing game is to role play you, your character doesn't know so that God doesn't so he trap. was upset that someone would break the fourth wall in the he game. was up, he was upset that someone would break the fourth wall as a way of cheating yeah but is it cheating <laughs> yes because the whole point of a I mean in this specific scenario of Dungeons and Dragons you can't behave in a way your character wouldn't behave and your would character it- doesn't know that. Would it be cheating if he just didn't say that? Is it because you guys know that's why he wanted to go down that hallway that it ruined your experience? It would be sketchier cheating. Because <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way: if if uh, John is just like you know, forget it. I'm just gonna I bolt down the hallway. Then at least the rest of us that are playing could be like, don't. There could be traps, but because he didn't do that, and he just turned to us and was like, we're fine, and he was right yeah. because setting up traps is a giant pain in the ass. So it was just like, don't like. Why do we even invite you to this shit? Like, don't do yeah. that. Just play a video game if you want to have a completely one hundred percent predictable world. But <laughs> knowing who your DM is and then playing off of their personality is yeah. kind of obnoxious. But isn't there a form of that that isn't obnoxious? Like, well, he so Bill, this guy who DM'd for us, he actually had a version of this, so you could like. There were a lot of spells and things that let you like call out to your god or your deity or whatever to yeah. like get divine inspiration, and you could pray to the one true god, <laughs> which was asking the DM directly a question. Okay, and you couldn't get away with that crap a lot, but usually it was kind of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit style. Like if it was funny enough, he'd let you get away with it. <laughs> but it's just like it's kind of. I feel like. If it's metagaming and it takes away from the experience, it's bad. If it's metagaming and it enhances the it experience... It was almost like it was a spoiler. A little bit. <laughs> Smartass. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing... Hashtag like, butts. I mean, you know, I, I've been... Because we were with a, a mixed group of people, like some who'd played with that DM and some who hadn't. So it's like, I also knew this person hated traps. But it never crossed my mind to shout that out loud. You know? Just like... If you were Indiana Jones and you're going through the temple looking for the Holy Grail, you don't just flippantly act like, well, God's not going to let me die. I'm the main character. (laughs) If I die, it's fake, so I can come back later. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be just weird. Like, that would kind of take you out of the tension of the experience. Some good parodies will lampshade that and do it on purpose. But that's because it's bad. Exactly. And and I've played... D&D campaigns that were like that, where it's like, let's be as stupid as possible for the sake of being stupid. Then you have different objectives, so there's different So problems. I wonder, did Bill <laughs> uh, start laying traps to spite this guy later? Or uh, No, he's done far more interesting things to spite players who wronged him. <laughs> like, um, you know, you have to roll to, like, make a save, and then just, like, keep rolling until you fail. So it's like now the whole party knows you've angered God because it's like, oh, I rolled an 18 and it's like, roll again because sometimes there's multiple saves. And it's like, oh, this time I rolled a 15. It's like, roll again. 17. Keep rolling till you get a one. 
Really? Yeah, and then, because then now... So the DM can just declare that? Oh, yeah. That's why you don't piss off God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the DM is literally the person who controls the physics of the universe. It's not a video game, so there are no programmed rules. And so by the same token, the DM just arbitrarily... It could be funny in certain situations, but generally speaking, it'd be like, I don't really want to play with you if all you do is just... Yeah. Ruin everything every time. (laughs) Yes. I mean, this this is why playing D&D can be so hard because you need a DM who's a good DM and you need a party who's a good party. It's very much like choosing your friends. It's a system of trust. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just like, do I want to hang out with someone who every time we hang out, they are crappy to be around? Yeah. Board games are already contentious because there's people that like are awesome in real life, but once they're in a competitive situation are just intolerable. Yep can't don't want to lose like yeah and i feel like uh there are games that um like apple to apples or cards against humanity like those games are based on metagaming yeah it's like i'm going to play the card i think that some person will choose some people really hate the fact that it's like oh you picked your favorite card how am i supposed to win it's like you need to know me better (laughs) and but i mean that's the point of the game so in in that game like metagaming and the game are the same because i I remember playing with uh family from the in-law side uh apples to apples once Mm. and this was already after i'd played cards against humanity so it was already (laughs) like oh pg yeah (laughs) But that's fine because I was with people I wouldn't want to play Cards Against Humanity with because of the awkwardness. But (laughs) it was frustrating. Like, I'd be picking things that I thought were hilarious (laughs) or even trying to understand the other person and try to pick something. And I just could not find the rhyme or reason to there. Maybe there wasn't one. Yeah. To why they chose the cards they chose. Or they'd laugh really hard at mine or someone else's and then they'd pick, like, this other one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the because I played Apples to Apples before Cards Against Humanity even came out. Um, so I, I went, you know, I aged. I played a PG game, then a PG thirteen version of that game, then an R rated version <laughs> of that game, then a game that was only R rated. Um, but it, it was, uh, I remember distinctly one of the like the first or second time I played. It was a big group of people at a friend's house. I didn't know several of them, and there was one person who just had no sense of humor. And every time they picked the card, that made sense. Yeah, and it's, I know it's like a game where you're not supposed to be, oh, you're not allowed to choose that one because it wasn't funny. It's like, right. no, they get to choose whichever one they want, and yeah. I'm not supposed to be allowed to complain about it, but I'm complaining about yeah. it because why did you choose that? Well, but I mean, like, almost <laughs> everyone in the circle was doing, like, whatever they thought was the funniest or the grossest, or if it was, like, you know, like, for, Shock me, value. for me, and apples to apples, like, Superman almost always wins. Unless it's paired with something negative, because I really like Superman. So that's <laughs> and anyone who knows me would know that. So it's like a gimme. Um, and there's some other more vulgar ones. I'm not going to say on a recording, but you know, it's like, but this person, like, and I only like two of out of the ten of us picked up. Like, they're always doing the literal one. So yeah. if, if their card says apples and you have a card that says red fruit, play that one because yeah. they're going to pick it. And what is what is the personality type that's just like I need boring. things to make sense? Boring, <laughs> so boring. I mean, I know this person better now. This person is very boring. Yeah, there's no way they're listening to this. You're boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I very much like in those kind of games. Like, I need to be amongst people that are free association, like willing yeah. to pun and and just go with me on on things. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because I mean, to me, that's 
the point of those games. Yeah. I mean, that may not be strictly the point, well, but to pe- me, that is their enjoyment. But their I, I'm open to, like, if you're one of those people or know <laughs> those people, like, if you have an explanation for why that's a satisfying way to play the game of, like, well, that didn't make sense. This one makes sense. I choose, I choose you, Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Like, give me, get me inside their head and explain it to me. You're playing a game about fun and laughing, and you're just, you want the mundane answer every time. Yeah, And I it's g- not a deadpan. It's not a yeah. boots. <laughs> I guess it's, uh, it, it, to me, it doesn't feel like there's any challenge involved in pairing a thing with something it's paired with. Yeah. You know, if you have steak and I have a card that says potatoes and it's like steak and potatoes, ha ha. It's like, no, those two things just go together. Yeah. It's not, it's, there's no challenge there. You I just think, have to know the English language. So when I played with these unnamed relatives, um, <laughs> what I, I think, like as if you had like seven spouses. So it could be any of your, yeah. this is like some old biblical marriage. <laughs> That's right. Series. Um, uh, the what infuriated, fury mimimated, I can't talk. Infuriated me more was not just the people that would be like, oh, this one makes sense. I choose this. It'd be when they would cry tears of laughter at another card and then pick a mundane one. And I'm like, Uh, or do you know, just like, just not even like the one, not even just the one that made sense. It was just like, they just picked a different card after like everyone roared and cried over one of the choices. And then they're like, Nah, just kidding, this one. And I'm just like, what? No, that... See, I thought you were going to say, like, they cried tears of laughter over the stupid card. No. Because then I would at least say, like, well, obviously their sense of humor is just way off kilter from the rest of the group. But if they acknowledge that one card is the best (laughs) card, and by best here I'm using funny synonymously with best, and they're like, but the boring one. It's like, I don't... Games, by definition, supposed to be fun. Not sure you understand what we're doing. Yeah. I think it also is just sort of, this is probably something I need to work on, but I don't like it when people make clearly suboptimal decisions. <laughs> I don't know that you need to work on that. I think it's okay to prefer things to be better. Yeah, well, to me it's like Catan, someone's about to win, they make a really horrible deal with that person. Uh, yeah. It's pointed out to them, or yeah. and they don't care. I do. I remember. Tell me if you remember this. The like the second time we played Catan, I said because you had been like there were a lot of new people playing, so you were like, "Oh, you could do that," but there's also this other thing that you might think about. So you didn't tell them what to do, but you gave them options that as a new player they were not aware of. And I pointed that out to you, and your response was, "When I beat you, I want you to know you had all the information available to you." And I was just like. Shit is real. This isn't Final <laughs> Fantasy IV Rubicon. I'm going to heal you before yes. we fight. It's like, shit just got really real. Like, he's so... I mean, you're like uh, like Fisher playing chess, like back and forth on the same board with the timer. That's a very nice way of putting it, but I also don't want to see someone else get a great deal because a new player doesn't realize they're handing a, a full settlement to someone for one yeah. oil card. Well, if it's if it's two new players, or, then I'm like, this is how they learn. But when you can, you can tell, it's like someone who's played a hundred times, obviously taking advantage. And those are good like things to file away because if you see the experienced player do that enough, it's like we're going to stop inviting you to game night. Yeah, <laughs> because you don't derive joy from playing the game; you derive joy from beating people who haven't played the game. Yeah. 
It's like, why don't you just go take some candy from children, ass? I think the thing I, I'd want to work on is I, I get it that there may be some new players that would be very receptive, like, yeah, tell me how to play better. But there's some people who are like, I don't want your advice. I don't care. I want to make my own decisions, and that's part of the experience of playing. Yeah. And I could be ruining that by... Spoilers? Yeah, it's basically a spoiler. <laughs> but... I don't know. I, I I just that's something that just like picking the dumb card or picking the one you didn't laugh hard at. Yeah, you know, giving someone handing a player victory for no like you're fully aware that you're basically just ending the game. Right, and it's not not a funny way of like, haha, I'm preventing you from winning. <laughs> we have a rivalry that formed. Yeah, which is annoying, but I can understand the psychology involved. It's just like a pure like. Well, I just I'm just making a trade because who cares? I'm See, like, yeah, he's gonna win though. Don't trade with him. That's actually something I see a lot in. You've played Munchkin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we've played Munchkin. So a lot of times I've seen where you know your hand sucks, and say like it's four people, and your buddy knows his hand sucks, and your third buddy is about to win. So you and your other buddy with a sucky hand are like, well, we don't have to win. We just have to make sure that person loses. I don't mind that. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's like now we've become unlikely allies, not yeah. for the fourth person, but against the third That's person. That's what should happen in Catan. He's got nine points. He's about to win. Let's stop them. Want some roads? Here, I'm going to give you like 15 roads so that you can cut them off. Right. And later I'll have to take you down. But right now we're friends. Yeah, I, I guess in a... That's kind of like with apples to apples is where you're knowing the other people because that feels like the point of like Munchkin or Catan is like the object is to win and those the players and their characters are interchangeable. Yeah. In a role playing game, you like puppet your character, but you're not your character. Whereas in Catan, like you, Mike, are the settler of Catan, and yeah. I, David, am trying to stop you. And Catan, the the rule set, it's really hard to win if you can't trade with like if people just yeah, just like sanction you. Go, uh, what do you call that? Embargo or yeah, isolationist. Yeah, yeah. so there's like empire and isolationist, or just yeah, yeah. Like, unless you're raking it in and you have all the, the three-to-ones on the coast, like, <laughs> it's hard to, like, get a couple more points if you can't trade with people. Yeah, no, it really is, especially if you... If you piss someone off early in the game and, like, you're with players that aren't strictly logical and they will hold a grudge, Yep. it's just like, I can't win now. Yep. Yeah, so now it's <laughs> like, I'm just going to make whatever small way I can your life worse. But then, so how do you feel? I, I think I know, but <laughs> won't won't assume when people are extremely touchy about like, don't rob me. It's like early in the game, or or like <sighs> like things that are perfectly yeah. within the rules of the game. That, it's like don't rob me, and like it's not a house rule. Yeah, like don't rob till you have at least three points. But, someone who's like that all the time. Like who who cries like, foul just because they aren't winning? I end up usually not playing with them anymore because yeah. it's just like you know if if it's like you know like oh come on bra like and then they're just like sort of leave me alone. But if every time we sit down to play the game, they expect to be left alone yeah. until they're indefeatable, <laughs> indestructible. It's like 
then I don't really want to play with you because yeah. basically you're just preying on our friendship <laughs> to beat me at this stupid yeah. game. I mean, it, to be fair, it's not the the pleading itself because that can be kind of funny when you're just like, I'm robbing you. It's like, oh, come on, man. Right. No, it's it's when they <laughs> it's are when genuinely it's like mad actually at you. offended yeah. and they're like, they go quiet. Yeah. Now that I... I'll put up with that because, you know, maybe they're having like a crappy day and they're just overreacting. Like, that's fine. That happens. Someone who's like that all the time, every single game you play, it's like, I can't really. Yeah. It's it, a game. And I'm fond of saying, like, I, I'm I'm upset. Like, I understand, like, within one game, like, dude, you robbed me hard early in the game. <laughs> Screw you. I'm, I'm robbing you. you. Yeah. That's cool. That's the fun drama. Yeah. Next game, start with a clean slate. Yes. <laughs> Grudges do not carry from game yeah. to game. That's it. I think that's it. Like that needs to be in the rules. So this is all meta. not like house rules. That needs to be in the rules to games. But I realize these are like meta game discussions of like yeah. how you play the game, and people have different sentimentalities about it. I mean, the entire concept so, of house rules is that everyone agrees on meta gaming. Yeah, the five hundred dollar bill for free parking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, in uh, in a game like Munchkin, or there's a a parody game that's a lot of fun called Drunk Quest, which is just Munchkin with drinking. Um, there's a lot of rules that I don't, I can't say for sure that they're intentionally left vague, but the word choice can be really crucial. Um, like I actually I just learned a new game called Smash Up, where like I was just about to do something like really obnoxious to one of the other players, and I was like, wait. The word choice on this card is slightly different than it is on that card when I did this a minute ago to a smaller effect. Can I do that? And the people I was playing with was like, no, because that's you did it before on an action and this is on a move and those are different things. (laughs) So it's like I had to step out of the game to like discuss the rules. Constitutional scholar moment. (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing that's interesting about it to me is I had to ask the other player can I screw you like <laughs> super hard right now? And I have to trust them to be honest because yeah. they knew the rules really well. And I didn't. Yeah. So it's like, but then, you know, you kind of file that away and it's like, next time when you have an opportunity to screw me, this rule better play out the same way. Yeah. Otherwise I'm going to be pissed. Well, then you have those moments when rules are vague or there's just things like, are we like, are we doing this guys? Yeah. Like, let's kind of set the record. Yeah. Are we deciding forever that that's what, that's what this phrasing means? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think with games like Monopoly and like... Or like, we, we screwed up the rule last round, so the rest of this game we're going with screwed up rule and right. we'll fix it next time. But yeah, because the, to change it within the game yeah. would upset the balance awkwardly. Yeah, I think this, we've also, we've kind of hit on, there's a difference between people who take gaming seriously. And I don't mean they don't have fun with it, but I mean, they, it's important to them that the rules exist for a reason yeah you know and then there's other people who are like i just i don't care like whatever roll the dice and it's like that's fine i just i have trouble relating to that it's like like, why are you playing the game i don't mind playing with the rules but not while you're driving the car of the game like let's in between road trips we will try different cars out but yeah Yeah. i don't want to i don't want to see if i prefer driving a truck to my sedan on the highway (laughs) where i have to like bruce willis leap into the cabin. Or I think of that Perry Bible Fellowship comic where the it's the Transformer and they're like, they're, they're in truck <laughs> yeah, form. They're in and he's like, <laughs> it's time, transform! Yeah. And then like, wait, no! no! Yeah, and just blood. blood, like, on all the joints. Yeah. <laughs> Dark. So I, I think 
we kind of alluded to this at the very, very beginning, and uh, I think we can ra- wrap up with this, but talk to me about region locking and why it sucks. So region locking is basically if you buy a Game Boy in the U.S., you can't buy games in Japan and play those Japanese Game Boy games, even this, if it's the this same. This is all fi- consoles, isn't it? Yeah, I was just making an example. Right. But I mean, this, this is something that's different from like PC Master Race gaming. Yeah. And so that's it's irritating if you, I don't know, for all sorts of reasons. I can't think of a reason as a player you would want region locking. No, I, <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's a kind of DRM. Yeah. So who wants DRM? And I don't know as a publisher why you benefit from it. Is it like some kind of piracy thing? Like, yeah, I don't know. Because I mean, it, it, the, to me, it's just like, what if we could only sell this to these people yeah. and not everyone? I mean, it's what if we complicated our software deployment? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to grasp at straws a little bit, but could it be that? There are some kind of crazy import-export laws. So if you create a product that isn't locked to your region, you are indirectly stating that it is for sale in the rest of the world. So like you're Sony Computer Entertainment and you make a game – well, let's just say Nintendo to stick with your analogy. You're Nintendo, which is a Japanese company, but they have an American arm and they have a European arm. So if the Japanese arm makes a game that's not region locked, they're essentially saying American customers and European customers can buy our game before it exists in your market. Yeah. So there may be some kind of crazy in-house anti-competitive nonsense. I don't even like I can't even I don't know why that would be a problem. It's like we're still selling our product to our customers yeah. and presumably there aren't Nearly as many Americans and Europeans that speak Japanese as there are Americans and Europeans that speak their own languages. So, I mean, are you really going to cannibalize your own sales that much? Well, and famously, the Game Boy Advance was not region locked because you could buy, like, the console oh, they, came So they out. flip-flopped? So, like, the color was, the Advance wasn't, and now they're back to region locked? Yeah. And because I remember, because my friend's dad went to Japan and came back with a Game Boy Advance before it was released in the U.S. Oh, yeah. And he had the they like remade Super Mario Brothers two for it as like the launch title. Doesn't really matter if that's in Japanese. No. Yeah, it's it's the universal language of Mario. <laughs> and that was awesome because like he could continue to use that Game Boy Advance and buy U.S. games, and it was just a Game Boy Advance. It didn't matter. Makes I wonder- a lot of sense to me. I wonder if is it too difficult with big time AAA gaming that has lots of dialogue and tons of text? Is it asking too much to say? Why don't you just release the game once with all the the dialogue and all the languages that you're going to release it in? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to release it in Japanese, English, French, German, Italian, and Spanish, why don't you just on day one there's one copy of the game that has all those options? And it intelligently picks your language based on the language of your system. So if your system default is English, like my PlayStation is, then it would just pop up in English, and in the options I could change it if I wanted to. I mean, yep. that I yep. guess that might delay the release a little bit, but, I mean, who cares? It's already delayed. Yeah. I feel like localization, like games are so 
universal and worldwide now that localization is now part of a normal game development process. It's no longer like... Yeah, just bake it in. It's no longer like we made the game and now we're going to think about... Like, unless you're an indie game and you're two guys and you don't have time, like, it has to come later. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking, like, you're Nintendo. Yeah. Like, Nintendo has the resources. They they already localized right away. (laughs) Nintendo has the resources to localize games for those indie devs. Because they're just, like, like, brimming with money. Even as late as, like, Ocarina of Time, it was, like, some guy named Phil translated that game to English. Literally one translator (laughs) is responsible for your entire experience. And it was, like, yeah, he got, like two weeks to do it at the very like you know two months before they had to ship it (laughs) yeah i mean back when games were a hundred percent text you could kind of get away with that but but there's also some famously terrible like earthbound has weird translations spoonie bard use spoonie bard yeah early final fantasy games have terrible i mean the the scout nostalgia goggles now we all like lovingly enjoy the terrible like i think final fantasy 7 has some of the worst like yeah, translations there's some ever. really bad ones. Well, and I think because, I mean, anyone who knows more than one language can tell you that translation and localization are really not the same thing. Um, my, my favorite example of this is I, uh, I had a friend in college who uh, was dating a girl that spoke Spanish, and he walked in front of the television while she was watching it, and she said something in Spanish and he was like, oh, what did you say? And she was like, oh, it's like the Spanish version of you make a better door than a window. And he was like, yeah, but what did you actually say? And she was like, it doesn't translate to English very well. And it turned out in Spanish it was, you must have eaten a lot of meat as a child because I can't see through you. And he was like, wow, that does not translate into English very well. I, that's actually a joke in the movie Bottle Rocket because Luke Wilson's character is trying to pursue this, like, uh hotel maid that mm-hmm. is cleaning rooms and he has a translator like her cousin or something is there and he's like she says you're like trash <laughs> and he's like what and he's like no it, it doesn't sound as good in english like you just you kind of just floating around i don't know <laughs> it was just like the exact same situation yeah. of like yeah it sounds really bad what i said but. yeah yeah translating word for I, and particularly because so many early games came from japan where not only do they have a different word for everything but their whole their idioms are, yeah, yeah their own. idioms are different their grammatical structure is even different and there's i'm never going to think of a good example by the end of the sentence but there's a very <laughs> real difference between the meaning of certain phrases based on word placement so it's like, are you trying to convey what they literally said, or are you trying to convey the meaning of what they said? Mm-hmm. And actually, this uh, this came to light for me not that long ago, because when my daughter was very small, and she would be napping, and I wanted to watch television, I would have the volume down way low, and I would have the subtitles turned on. Well, it turns out there's a difference between subtitles and closed captioning. Yeah. And I didn't ever really know that. One is like real time terrible. <laughs> well, even on a recording, closed captioning is a literal transcript. So if you're watching something in English, the closed captioning should be pretty much spot on since it's closed captioned in English. There's a little more like artistic interpretation of subtitles of like, that's background noise. Don't right. show as many yes. of those words as possible because it's just hubbub. Right. But the other thing is that <laughs> indistinct with, chatter. <laughs> if, if you watch a lot of like anime or K-dramas or any of that kind of stuff, if you watch it in English, but you leave the subtitles on, which are not closed captioned, 
you're hearing one English idiom that matches the mouth, but then you see a different English idiom that's closer to what they really said. And I remember which is hilarious. It's really (laughs) interesting. Like it was super fascinating to me when this occurred to me. And then, you know, my wife speaks like three languages. So she was just like, well, of course. And I was like, well, of course, (laughs) like, it's just so interesting to be like, oh, right, because English may be one of the biggest languages on Earth, but it's certainly not the yeah. only one. We've definitely t- turned that on with Netflix a lot for those shows that have like either such a huge dynamic range of whispering to gunshots <laughs> that you're like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to subtitle it and turn yep. it down. Yep. Um, which is my solution. I, I would rather do that than actually compress the audio to hell. Yeah, and then have the gunshots sound exactly as loud as normal speech. It's the harshest whispering ever. Just, <laughs> but um, just everything sounds like parcel tongue for Harry Potter. I love the uh, the descriptions that whoever writes these that end up describing like background noises of various kinds. Because so we were watching The Killing. It's on Netflix. It used to be like some TV series of it's like set in Seattle. It's really creepy and cold and depressing about cops trying to find a serial killer. <laughs> but they would always like you know throughout the episode they'd just show like shots of Seattle, like the the water or like different parts of the city, and there would be like birds, and it would always say seagulls crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, they're crying. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, there was a time when that was a more common, like, to cry out, <laughs> as opposed to, like, <laughs> like flying through the sky. But, and, and it'd always be, like, so subtle. Like, I'm sure I could see, like, you were the sound mixer on this show, and you're like, you know, there's, like, very faint, like, atmospheric, like, there's some birds in the mix. Right. And the subtitle guy's like, nope, seagulls crying in bold letters. Yeah. This is now the foremost description of yeah. the scene and it would be a it's lot like better to say a hell like, of an interpretation of what's important yeah, in the sound yeah, like sound of seagulls in the distance would probably yeah. be i mean it's longer but it's also way more accurate or one of my favorites is woman vocalizing for like any S- vague music of yeah you know, like that happened because we watched gladiator recently and we turned on the subtitles <laughs> and so like all over that soundtrack it's just like woman vocalizing yeah which i guess She's maybe singing in Greek or Latin, or she's <laughs> supposed to be. But I mean, it's it might just be gibberish. It might just be actually vocalizing. Yeah. Now I think my favorite version of music, because um, when it's like a pop song, they often put like the title of the song or the lyrics, which is fine. But I love when it's just like music and it's just open bracket, eighth note, eighth note. Closing bracket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like... If I were deaf, it'd just be like, thanks. Ex- well, I mean, Some form of music if, is happening. If you're deaf since birth, it's probably like, okay, because you have no point of reference. Yeah. So you're like, okay, there's music playing. I know that music is a thing, but that's pretty much the extent of my, yeah. my deep I feel vibrations rhythmically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a good middle ground is when it says like up-tempo music or like tense music or exciting music or, you know like optimistic music i can I've forgive that seen. because you might be tempted to be like well isn't that telling me how to feel i'm like that's exactly yes. what music does yes. yep you are correct <laughs> it's sir. actually no more literal <laughs> than the music was already being anyway yeah especially when you consider in like a like a broadly approachable movie like uh the karate kid the lyrics to the song are literally you're the best around no one's ever going to bring you down it's like 
Just being just optimistic music sums that up <laughs> yeah. enough that I'm sure the, the you know this the translation the training is montage. Just let it happen. Yeah, just, just just let it happen. This is the training montage. Just let it happen. <laughs> Seems like a T-shirt I I want to own. <laughs> so I think I have to just mention this one quick thing. So I was typing parcel tongue into Google Docs, and I put a space between parcel and tongue, and I was like, oh, maybe I misspelled parcel. So I right clicked on it. And it corrected it to one word, parcel tongue. <laughs> and I don't know that that's a real thing, but I want to believe that the Harry Potter is so big in the world that Google's like, yeah, it's just a word. It's a word people type. So we need <laughs> to have it in our dictionary. Because I love Harry Potter. We go way back. I call him her for short. <laughs> Me and her, we go way back. Harry Otter. <laughs> So I would love to hear about metagaming from anyone who wants to chime yeah, in because I feel like this is a really broad subject, but it's super interesting because like th- there's parts of it I feel really strongly about, and then there's other parts I'm like, Mark, game facts. Yeah, yeah. What are your meta rules, or like what drives you nuts, or like <laughs> you have to like you play games a certain way, or you what kind of people can you or can't you deal with playing with hashtag butts. <laughs> So I do. I have one last question for you before we finish because I, okay. I forgot to ask you earlier. It's in my notes and everything, and I still forgot. You have like your your feelings about cinema and, and TV shows, where sometimes you want to go in like completely clean. Do you ever watch like a speed run or Twitch, and do you consider that a stand-in for the gaming experience, or does it enhance or change? Like. Would you watch someone play a game instead of playing it? Or would you watch someone play a game that you knew you were going to play? Yeah. It depends on what I'm deciding, I'm choosing to make the experience about. Because, like, I could see Ninja Gaiden 3, I'm never going to beat that game. That game is hard (laughs) as balls, and it's not the kind of challenge I enjoy. I will watch a speedrun and enjoy someone else being an expert at that game. Because I, I want to see someone that is amazing at Ninja Gaiden Three. Yeah, but I don't. So need, for you, it's, I don't need it's to more become like an action that. movie. Yeah, like you can enjoy the viewing, not the doing. Yeah, but then the new Zelda comes out. I'm like, no, everyone, screw off. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm going to play these puzzles. And to be honest, I, I mean, I could see in a room with a friend, I would watch them play Zelda and it'd be probably enjoyable. But I don't want to just watch a stranger muddle through a block puzzle. Yeah. I, you would probably not you specifically. People in general would probably be more willing to watch something that is visually exciting. Yeah, because watching Link to the Past not particularly visually exciting. I mean, I love sixteen bit art, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, unless there's something like tool assisted about it that is like right. You can't do that. Wow. Yeah, like watching a tool assist go through like Super Mario World. Like that's cool. Yeah, Zelda's a bad choice for tool-assisted because it's like you're doing wall glitches, but what's remarkable is that you beat the game in three minutes. Not that. Right. But even then, it's just kind of like, well, you you cheated and you beat the game super fast. (laughs) Whereas like watching someone cheat and beat Super Mario World or Super Mario 64 is like, it's still interesting to watch. Yeah, it's like, wow, look at how he's bouncing up these walls and like scooting and suddenly zipping across the floor through the game glitches. It's like amazing. Yeah. So maybe... I mean, it, maybe it is more. It's kind of an esport thing. Is it's like if it's visually interesting to watch, then it would be interesting yeah. to not be the. What player. I found interesting, you ever watched like a Half Life speedrun? No, I, no. 
What's fascinating is most of that is exploiting weird like jumping glitches where they're like they're basically hopping the entire time and it's oh, like this yeah. bunny like I think I, a I've lot seen of other games that are exploited a lot of like first way. person games seem to have like jumping scooting glitches of just like yeah suddenly you're launching yourself. Yeah, the in a, if you ever play a first person game multiplayer and you see someone like I watch your character model interact with the world from a distance, <laughs> what looks like you're right on top of it from your screen, your character model's like a mile away. Yeah. Which leads to some of those like really annoying like you were nowhere near me. How did you stab me to death? Yeah. And it's like, no, the game has a bigger crash box than you realize. Yeah. That's it. I'm done. We talked about metagaming. I'm happy. Yep. Tell us your rules. Do. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Flipping Tables. You can find show notes at flippingtablespodcast.com slash 039. I'm Mike Edwards. You can find me online at medwardsmusic and at pseudomichael.com. And you can find David Lyons at lionsandbeta.com or on Twitter at lionsandbeta. Beta.